Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Michael Garrell, Trey Colbeck, and Adam Stewart. And tonight we'll uh, we'll be talking a little bit of CFL CBA negotiations. Maybe get into some other topics as well. We had planned to do our East Division preview tonight, but you know what? There's so much going on with the CBA right now. We figured let's focus in on what's going on now. Wait till that all gets resolved, and then we'll get into uh, the season preview stuff from there. So uh, looking at another roundtable here this evening on a variety of CFL topics. Uh, before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And as always, I want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree. Oja Creek, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's bring them in one at a time. Here first, it's the great Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I am good. I am ready to toss some football. Um, ready to toss some chaos because... Uh, that's really what it is with this CBA negotiations, but uh, we'll see. Whatever, whatever comes about tonight, comes about. Speaking of talking chaos, I'm sure uh, he had a lot of chaos to witness with the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Uh, the great Trey Colbeck is here. Trey, how you doing tonight? Uh, yeah, like you said, I'm doing great. Great weekend uh, of sports. Saturday was probably one of the greatest sporting events Ever, if you put the Kentucky Derby and UFC 274 together, but I'm really excited to get back down to three down football. Right on. And uh, last but not least, Adam, the great Adam Stewart, is here as well. Uh, fresh off of day out on the farms in Saskatchewan. Adam, how are you doing tonight? Well, hey, any day you're on a farm and out in Saskatchewan, it's it's a pretty good day. So I uh, got a little bit of rain here, so I guess maybe we'll be a little bit slower tomorrow morning. But you know what? Good time to maybe talk some CBA. Not really the most fun topic to talk about sometimes, but hey, let's get to it. Let's get to it. No, yeah, it's not the most fun topic to uh, talk about, but I think it's one that's going to bring some uh, some fun debate here on the podcast. A lot has happened in the past uh, couple of days. Uh, I think it was, you know, late last week here in the podcast, we touched a little bit on where things were at with the C CBA talks. A lot has transpired since then. CFL rookie camps are, are scheduled to start, I think, in a couple of days here uh, as we record this on, on Monday, May 9th. Uh, and uh, I believe next Monday is when the actual training camp is supposed to start, the CBA expiring on Sunday. And we're still not at a deal here yet, boys. Uh, but uh, they're negotiating. Interesting negotiation tactics, possibly. But, uh, to you know, to start things off here, uh, let's talk about, you know, where the players are at, uh, the players association going through their due diligence last, the last week, you know, they do this every negotiation strike mandate, you know, what, who's interested in striking, I believe it was a 95% vote in favor of going to a strike, uh, Mike, that number, uh, what do you think about, uh, that 95% of, uh, of players, uh, voting yes for a strike? Does that surprise you at all? No, not really. Um, you, you know, when you, I think you're doing yourself and your union a disservice if the number is lower. 
this is a, you know, we, 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 we talk about, you know, certain numbers being overwhelming. Uh, this is a clear, clear mandate for banding together. Um, number might be a little bit high, but I think we started to hear some things trickle out toward the end of last year that, you know, when it's time for a new CBA, this is what we need. Um, being contentious off of baseball, um, you know, baseball is just coming off a brief work stoppage. And you see what asking for too much gets you at times. So the clear mandate right now is strike. But how long can the band stay together, particularly when there's supposed to be chats coming? Well, I think I'd agree with that. Um, like I said, I expected the players to be very strong on uh, no matter what they did uh, initially to be at 95%. I could see it. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it was that, you know, everybody was saying that this was good faith negotiating and everything was going smooth and the CFL was working well with the CFLPA. I just, I know that, and the way it was even worded out in that um, uh, uh, tweet that went out was, oh, well, this is just standard procedure. You know what? I don't care. It doesn't sound good when you're negotiating and in the meantime, you're asking your players, Hey, uh, do you want to go and have a strike? I know why they're doing it because let's face it in Canada, labor laws in each province vary between each province and they need to be set up and ready to go. If in case they need to do that. However, I just didn't really like it from the CBA myself that you were actually going and uh, asking for a strike mandate while you're also negotiating at the same time. What do you think, Trey? You know, I like it. And I'm actually going to go that I'm a little surprised that it wasn't a higher percentage of players voting for it, because which we'll probably get into more later when we start debating this. But I think the players are sitting at a better position than the league. And, and they could go, they don't have to play football in Canada. We see these leagues trying to start up in the States. They always have an NFL chat. And, you know, they had a year off to find other potential jobs. So I know, Adam, I can see you're already getting ready to argue with me. But it's, um, I think that, and also I think the CFL has to worry about their public image. They've been known as a Bush League for as long as I've been alive, if not longer. And having um, having labor issues almost every time just definitely does not make them look good. And like Michael said, we watched the MLB, but guess what? The, the PA and the league that hate each other the most got something done. So if the CFL can't, that's not good. Yeah, and, and you know, my thought on the, the 95% and being so in favor of a strike is it's part of the negotiation tactic, I think. If you go and say... Yeah, we're going to vote on a strike and only 50% of players say, yeah, let's do it. CFL is going to see that number and they're going to laugh their heads off as they sit and say, okay, we're just going to wait and, and, and wait this out with our demands here. And, you know, half the players are going to cave in clearly because half of them don't want to strike. So it's a sense of unity of, yeah, we're united in making a stance to get a fair deal here. And one of the very interesting things that has transpired out of this is not only are the players standing seemingly united here, 
But other sports leagues around the world, especially North America, are as well. You know, one after another, the NHLPA, the NBA PA, uh, MLB, uh, NLL, MLS. I think these were all, you know, all these different leagues were, uh, you know, putting tweets and putting statements out and showing solidarity with the CFLPA. Uh, there was one notable league lacking in that regard, which was the NFL. Uh, Adam, what do you think of uh, all of these other leagues stepping in? Because uh, I don't know if it's uh, something we've necessarily ever seen before. Yeah, no, it's definitely never been seen before, and especially to the CFL, which is very kind of, uh, well, emboldening it should be for the players, uh, that they have uh, some of these very well-off leagues like the NHLPA, uh, like the uh, ML or NLPA, I think is what it's called, uh, and also the MLBPA, which just finished negotiating a very tough uh, uh, CBA with the MLB uh, owners. So for them, they should feel like that's a great thing that they've got this support behind them. Uh, the only thing is, though, the one uh, kind of almost sister uh Players Association, the NFLPA, which has previous CFL players in it, didn't seem to step up and say absolutely anything about the CFL negotiations or about supporting the CFL's PA. Very funny, but maybe I'm not sure why the story is of why they wouldn't. Uh, again, they're going for common goals. They're going for the same kind of things. Uh, Michael, what do you what do you think? Maybe why the NFLPA didn't step in? Yeah, I I, I think it's really interesting considering. Um, you know, I I can understand you know unions wanting to support each other, but this is fellow sport on fellow sport, which makes it even more interesting because I can understand MLB players not wanting to stand in solidarity with the CFL. To me, I'm perplexed as to why the NFL would choose to take such a stance or lack thereof, considering a lot of their management types uh, look at the CFL for talent. So it's a little perplexing that a billion-dollar industry high millions, call it what you will, doesn't want to, it's almost like they don't want to get involved. And it's, we'll never understand, I I think the stance is, but it's, I was surprised, you know, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, I was surprised to see all these other leads backing the CFL players. I don't think I've ever, it's already been discussed, I don't think I've ever seen that. But the glaring omission, as has already been discussed, is the NFL. And I don't know if that's a calculated decision on their part. To me, I just find it perplexing. I wouldn't know which way I personally would want the NFL to go. But it's almost like the fellow sport isn't banding together with the fellow sport, right? So that's a whole interesting angle to me. 
Yeah, you know, I'm going to jump in and go on the other side again of you two. And I wasn't surprised the NFL didn't say anything because guess what? If there's a strike, they get, what, a couple, like five, six hundred more players potentially that need a job this September. And, you know, they have practice rosters they need to fill out. They have injuries. They have other things. And also, the NFL never admits they're wrong. So if they start supporting a different football league, I think that it it shows a little bit of that they're not maybe the king sport. Like they are on their own pedestal. Why would they stoop down? And I know it's the PA, but still the PA is the NFL, like attached to the NFL. Why would they branch out and help anybody other than themselves? Because when have they ever really done that? Other, you know, so I wasn't, I was surprised to see any support, but I wasn't surprised to not see it from the NFL because they win. They're going to win. There's going to be, more hunger for football. They have they're trying to get games in Canada. If the CFL is not going, well, if they try to branch out and get games again in Canada, there's going to be more hunger for football. The one thing, uh, the one thing though that I'll counter on that is the CF or the CFL. If they strike, uh, or if they're in lockout or whatever it is, the NFLPA probably wouldn't want to have more players taking their players that are currently in the NFLPA's jobs. That's true. Right? No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Bo Levi Mitchell comes in and takes over for the backup for the Indianapolis Colts. All of a sudden, that guy's sitting and, oh, geez. Well, that guy's out now. So no, you're right. the, the, I was looking at it more the NFL than the NFLPA. Yeah. And I guess, I guess I was looking at them as, oh. even though they are two separate entities, I'm looking at it as the of yeah. the shield that we know as NFL and everything under it. That the NFL is not going to go out on a limb and help out a uh, 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 to their eyes an inferior league for anything but you're right from the PA standpoint they should be supporting it so they don't come in and take the NFL jobs but that could be a discussion the NFL is having with the NFL PA too like don't you know don't get involved in this well the the, the interesting thing to me with all of these PAs that stepping up and you know with their announcements and everything is Great. That, that's great. You're showing your support for the CFL Players Association, but how are you doing so besides a tweet from your Players Association, right? Like, that's great. This league stands with this league's players stand with that league's players. But in what way, like, what retribution are you putting towards the CFL for not negotiating with its players here? Like, is this just an empty statement for the sake of making the empty statement out here? Uh, is there uh, a way, you know, like, or are they doing other things behind the scenes? Are they, you know, going from their perspective of work stoppages? You've talked about the MLB already. We've seen the NHL with some work stoppages as well. Like, are the, are, are they, you know, teaching this players association, helping them out in any way with that? Like, I would like to see that support there uh, as well, besides just the, the statements there. Uh, Adam, what do you think on that? Yeah, no, I'd agree. But uh, yeah, I think it's pretty much just a pat in the back, essentially. You can't tell me that the MLBPA is willing or able or even anything uh, remotely in the idea of supporting in regards to saying we're going to have a counter strike with you. Don't think that's going to happen. The NHLPA is in the middle of playoffs right now, as is the M NBA uh, PA. Both of them are having very entertaining quarterfinals right now. They, they aren't going to stick their neck out and go and say, hey, we're going to go and support the CFL by striking. It's not going to happen. So what other options are there for these leagues 
to support uh, the CFLPA besides giving them a pat on the back and giving them a thumbs up. I don't think there's anything else, unless you got something else, Trey. No, I think like any entertainment business, it's all based off of public reception, and it's and you know, it's all that's all it is. It's this. It's if you see all these PAs coming out in, like Ryan said, kind of a empty statement. Well, that's all they need to do. Like we have, we saw the MLB PA and what they went through, and these other big leagues. It, it, again, it's just leverage that the CFLPA somehow gathered. I don't know how they orchestrated it. I don't know if it was planned. I don't know if it was just, you know, one social media guy said, hell, we're going to do it. And and I don't know which one the first one. I think the NHL was the first one I saw. So, which is interesting because some of the teams are owned by the same kind of organizations, right? So is that a thing too? Or now the PA is going to, because now the, the NHL PA is supporting the CFL PA and that can make things interesting in markets like Toronto and Calgary and other ones that have the, the same ownership owns both teams. So I think it just is leverage. You need the leverage. How about you, Michael? You know what? The greatest point of leverage, never mind, you know, the, these individual leads um, is the pressure of a deadline. And the pressure of realizing that, you know, there's other um, there's other avenues for the for these players to go if they really really wanted to. So, you you know, in in hindsight, it's it may or may not be the worst thing uh, when it comes to not supporting versus supporting, but. Time will tell, I guess. Well, I think it's important we now get into talking about the the league's side of things because we've talked a lot here so far about, you know, why the players are at where they're at, why the players vote in favor of a strike, why the other players' associations are on board with them. Uh, and it's it's not because these conversations with between the players and the league are going well. I'll, I'll tell you that because it is, you know, as I... I appreciate a good negotiation tactic. I have to say, like seeing negotiations unfold and seeing how te- how people navigate them is fascinating to me. But it's infuriating at the same time watching how things, how different groups negotiate, and it's very clear when you see proposals like what the league put out, which I truly don't believe is what the league wants to settle on. Like uh, the you know the league's kind of proposal got leaked a little bit. Uh, you had a, a trying to lock the players into a 10-year deal there, which they're with no real plans for future revenue growth, like sharing in the revenue growth. Uh, it leaked that uh, there was talk the league wants to uh, just get rid of the Canadian ratio entirely uh, is, is what was initially leaked there. Like, these are... These are some of the extremes, and we've seen we've gone through the whole four down debate as well. Of uh, you know, is the league considering that? Look, this is how a negotiation goes. You go to the extremes so that you know you can say we settled uh, a little bit and still get things in your direction, and that's how this whole thing's going to go. And it's going to get ugly until it gets better. Is basically how it's going to go, but. Uh, uh, let's start with you on this one, Trey. What do you what do you make of this uh, big uh, proposal that the league put forth? 
I, I think it's interesting because again, I'm I, I'm a big believer that everything comes down to what the public likes and views. So to come out with something so one way, they knew it was going to come out. If it wasn't a player or a players association, it would probably be Adam's favorite reporter, Arash Madani or something, bringing it out, right? So it, it's I, I'm very interested to why they went such extremes. You're right from a from a negotiation perspective. But I, they're losing. I'm really interested in what your guys' opinion is too on who, if if the league, if the season was to start tomorrow, and we're missing games, who are you more angry at, the league or the players? Because that's always a debate when it comes to the strikeout. Is it's kind of like the twilight thing. If you're Team Edward or Team Jacob, who are you on? And I think right now I'm on the players' side, and 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 I just don't have faith in this league right now. Like I don't know what else to say. I think that is. Yeah, if we miss any games, I'm very upset with the CFL. So, Adam, come on. What do you think about it? You know, I look at it right now, and absolutely. If, uh, what I heard there from the CFLPA, just, are you kidding me, CFL? You know that's not even going to be remotely in the right ballpark. It, I know that we had, the, the CFLPA took a huge cut for the COVID era. They went and they did what they had to do to keep football on the field. Uh, in the court of public opinion right now, the CFLPA should be coming out with roses. Uh, let's face it, the CFL-Canadian ratio is a non-starter. There is nobody in this Canadian Football League that enjoys seeing even a thought of changing the Canadian ratio, let alone blowing it right completely up. And then a 10-year deal with no chance of moving up the salary cap at all for 10 years? I mean, are the teams just that badly off right now? Or are they just trying to be as humanly cheap as possible? There's no other way of saying it. Uh, let's face it. Anybody that would see that from the CFL PA should be angry at the CFL for that. But here's the thing I'm going to remind you all of. The CFL PA posted that. We have not heard anything from the Canadian Football League. We haven't heard anything from Randy Ambrosi. We haven't heard anything from owners. We haven't, besides a few uh, messages saying on the CFL page, hey, we love our Canadians. Okay, well, also we love football players. They're good for football. Well, yeah, that's pretty obvious. I mean, let's face it, CFL's forte is not uh, uh, public relations. It never has been the CFL players. Or not the CFL players, the CFL owners have never been very good at public relations but you know what i think we like i said we heard the cflpa side right now and the cflpa does a great job going to media and saying look what they're doing to us but we haven't heard anything from the cfl which is traditional we never hear nothing from the cfl michael what do you think on this i i just i i'm bewildered because first off i love the attempt, I guess, at a 10-year commitment. Why not, right? And speaking as a guy that is currently in the middle of negotiations on some other stuff, not related to football, but work stuff, you don't offer your best deal right away. Um you know, I don't think the first offer is meant to be in the same ballpark. Because if 
everybody was in it for themselves, of course, you're going to slant a lot of the agreements in your favor to try to spin public perception. Now, as the days become closer and we get closer to Saturday and Sunday and training camp, both teams and both sides have different points of pressure. For the players, it's no games, no check. For the CFL, it's probably a bad image for missed days of camp. You know, their owners aren't getting money. The players aren't playing football. The question is, how much are you willing to cave to get to what you want? Of course, the first offer in most cases, in everything that I've been involved in and sports history would suggest, is often not the one that's accepted. As for trying to frame the narrative or the public perception, of course, the CFL is trying to say, you know what, we don't want to negotiate the CBA every two years. Do you want to do that? Not me. If I was at head office, I, I would try for something long-term. The problem, is, the problem that I have isn't necessarily the length that was offered. It doesn't sound like it included any escalators uh, in, the, in the system. So, for example, year one, your cap is a fixed number. And every year to up to year four is percentages increase, whether that's 2%, 3%, 5%, you name it. And then the last year of the deal is maximum. However, I think when all of this is done and cooler heads prevail, the CFL needs a long-term agreement that isn't two years in length, but it isn't 10 years in length. What's that number? Is it five? Is it seven? Is it four? That remains to be seen. And probably what I can guess happened is they're trying this. You tried to offer them long-term, but they didn't take it. The first deal was never meant to be, was never meant to be accepted in any way, shape, or form. So this public spinning of narratives to me, it's getting old. It's a very CFL-ish thing to do. Um, for a lead in my mind, but, you know, quite honestly, appears to have trouble getting the diehards to buy in. Now, you have your diehard CFL fans, of course, but your diehard football fans would 10 times rather Watch the NFL. How many times on a post about the CFL on a game story bring this to the NFL? Almost every single time when, when I when I read it, that it's not the NFL. What's the CFL? Or some variation of that comment. So as far as I'm concerned, you have to get this deal done, but negotiated in the public sphere doesn't help anybody, and neither does missing games. And I would hate to, if the CFL's position, and apparently they're not even going to negotiate until 
Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which is two days before this this expired agreement. Why is that? Let, 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 let's think about this for a minute. Uh, I, I was not, sorry for the rant, but this is getting fairly tiresome to have to deal with this every year. And it seems like at every corner, there's some lead in a dispute with their union. And the CFL is no different. The CFL needs to get this corrected for a lead that's fighting for public perception amongst, especially the diehard uh, NFL folks. Yeah, well, the thing for me that drives me insane is that, like, we all knew this would get here eventually to this state, right, where we would be a week before training camp starts, they'd still be negotiating and we wouldn't get anywhere. Uh, it, because we've seen this time and time and time again with different sports as well, where negotiations go like this. And, you know, Mike, I think you did a great job of breaking it down and talking about how you, you don't take, you know, the first offer is never the one that's going to be accepted type of thing. And it leads into other negotiations. And it's like, but why are we starting this now? If we know that's going to be the first pitch coming why are we doing this week before training camp why aren't we starting this back in january back right after the last season ended do we know that that first offer was just put out that could have been something from the original offer way back when well the thing the uh, if we're taking what the pa has been saying publicly as the truth and again i think adam was saying it before that we haven't really heard the CF, the league's side of things necessarily here either. But it sounds like the the PA wanted to get the ball rolling on this much earlier on in the process months ago. But the CFL kept saying, "No, we'll we'll keep waiting here. We'll keep going, and uh, we're not going to do anything here quite yet." And then uh, and then the CFL once you know all of a sudden the PA is trying to get the negotiations on. They want to you know have a lot of these talks and the CFL's like no we'll wait we'll wait and honestly the way I, I view this whole situation is the CFL is just trying to force the CFLPA to take a deal here right and they're going to do that by waiting out the clock because uh players are going to cave is what they think and that's based on what they've seen from prior negotiation tactics as well that when this is about the you know putting the bread on the table for you uh, you're going to cave and, and take a deal here. And I think that's part of that 10-year deal that the CFL is trying to put out there too, right? Is can we force them into a long-term deal that benefits us and then they're stuck in that for the next 10 years type of thing? It's uh, it's an ugly negotiation going on here. Uh, Trey, what do you think uh, uh, about all of this? Well, add what you said of why it took so long. It made me think of an episode of The Office where – Michael Scott has to negotiate with Daryl and he says, he reads something, it's who speaks last has the control. So I think both parties didn't want to speak first. They both wanted to just wait it out and see what the other side came with. And I do see where you're coming from with the players and waiting the clock down. But I really think we just had a global pandemic. Things have changed. Players were forced to branch out, look at other options they might not be in the same position they were three, four years ago. And I know Adam again, getting ready to tell me I'm wrong, but I just think these players have more options that they could see 
And speaking as a father, sometimes, yeah, you might just have to go take that job right now and, and, and lose out on your opportunity to play pro ball. You might need to lose off your opportunity one day to play the NFL to put the food on the table now. And that's the way I look at it. So, Adam, I, I can see your burst and what's up. Oh, not too much. But, uh, hey, no, I agree. You know what? As a player, you got to take a job when you can take a job. And, you know, let's face it, though, what I always look at is these players have a passion for football. They want to play football. They can play football wherever they can play football. However, the CFL is still the second best option to the NFL. Uh, If you take a look at the USFL right now, average player is 45,000 a game and doesn't get a rental uh, allowance or nothing. It's a tough, tough life to be in a USFL uniform right at the current moment. It sucks. CFL, still a little bit better pay than that. And let's face it, it's still, like I say before, the second best league, uh, probably in the second most stable league, uh, other than the juggernaut that is the NFL. Uh, Most players, if they don't get a shot in the NFL, end up trying for either the CFL. That being said, I mean, let's face it, we all know that uh, Dwayne Johnson, of course, is trying to build up the XFL, and he's trying to get that going for next year. That could be an option. I will take some more of those players that maybe didn't get a shot in the NFL or even in the CFL or anywhere and probably add a few more guys there, and they will take some guys out of the CFL. For sure it will. Uh, But what I look at is I see what the owners are doing. They've done this year after year. I don't like it any more than anybody else does. However, they know that it's leverage. And let's face it, you can have the worst public perception in the world. Uh, In Saskatchewan, we all know about bad public perception. Uh, When we had a certain manager that came in and got rid of a few players that that everybody loved, it was bad. The riders and the fans were ready to go and grab a pitchfork and probably put Chris Jones at the end of it. But you know what? In the end, it still worked through. We're still the Rough Riders, and it went on. The problem is, like I say, the CFL always gets this ugly face first, and let's face it, you're way too far in to be negotiating for a 10-year deal uh, four days before you're ready to start a mini cam- or a rookie camp. I was just, it's perplexing at best. And let's face it, I mean, but like I said, that being all said, the CFL knows exactly what they're doing. They're going to wake the players out. They know that this is a great opportunity for them. And in the end, there'll be those guys that'll that'll break. Uh, Won't be a lot. Maybe there won't be as many as usual, but there will be guys that will eventually, unfortunately, break. And the CFL knows it's going to happen. And let's face it, that's why I still say CFL, not in the court of public opinion. They don't have the leverage there by any means. But in the actual leverage, they hold the they hold the, the keys. Well, the the thing just to jump in on that here, like the thing about the public court of opinion, I think you you hit the nail on the head before, Adam, when you said, you know, the CFL is holding their cards uh tight to their chest here, right? They're they're not like the CFLPA is out there in the media talking about everything going on, you know, making it known what the league's proposals to them were. We're, as usual, we're not hearing anything from Randy and his crew. And it's like, you're really not doing yourselves any favor. Like, I get you kind of want to keep the negotiations behind closed doors to some extent, but 
you're really not doing yourselves any favor when literally, you know, we're almost 40 minutes into this podcast. And like, I would say a lot of our talk has been heavily in favor of the PA and, you know, heavily in kind of in the range of, hey, CFL league owners, what the heck are you doing? Right. Has been a lot of our discussion. It's been a lot of the discussion on social media and the league could avoid so much of that by being a little more transparent with, you know, these are actually the issues that we are are focusing on that we, we care about, not, uh, oh, yeah, let it leak that we're having a proposal here to eliminate the Canadian ratio only to have us have to go and put a social media statement out saying we love our Canadians here and the CFL is going to continue being the uh, the league of the Canadians. Uh, to me, I, I think that could just be, once again, a little more transparency could go a long way to resolving this situation because who knows how transparent the league's even being with the players association itself in the negotiations and transparency to the fans too you know you put some of these ideas out there on and explain them to us just like i I equate it to kind of like the the rule changes right they put out the rule changes in a, a great article on the cfo website and for each one they explained to us why they wanted to why they decided to make that rule change and for a lot of them, it was like, I see what you're going for here. Maybe that would help the court of opinion. Maybe that would help negotiations. Uh, Mike, what do you think of the, with that idea? Well, I've been kind of not in my head here the whole night because I agree with a lot of what's being said. Um, unfortunately, as far as court of public opinion goes, people like Randy Ambrosi aren't in their jobs to win a popularity contest. Their job is to get the best deal possible. And if waiting out the clock is the best way to get a deal, which history suggests it is, that's the way it's going to go, whether I agree with that or not. I have to wonder, too, if the CFLPA, if worse comes to worse, is if they have to force themselves into a locked-out scenario just to get the CFL's attention. Um, tell you what, there's no, uh, there's no pressure until you exert pressure at the point of impact. And the point of impact, if you wanted to send a message, would be, okay, sit out two, three weeks. Then, now you're starting to talk if you're taking away games. Now, the question is, is there enough players that would subscribe to that theory? Logic suggests no, because the vast majority of CFL players are in that minimum CFL salary to about 10% up off of the minimum salary-ish. The guys that aren't being a your upper echelon guys, the guys that make the most money, they're not feeling the pinch yet. But for the majority of the union, they are at minimum. Now, how long can you wait off of minimum? Logic suggests not long. And that's why I don't think that play is going to work with the vast majority of the union. But if you wanted to, as a player, put some pressure on, show that you're not afraid to sit out for the period of time. And then, once that happens, you get the fans going because they're like, wow, we're not going to see a foul game. 
hey, hey, CFL, we want to go to games. Give them a better offer. Will that happen? I don't think so. But should it happen? Probably. And then once you exert some pressure, I think a deal could be put together very quickly that is reasonable for both sides. You know, I, I like what you say, though, but shouldn't Randy Ambrosi be out there winning a popularity contest? Like, I, like when in a league, in a league that's so gate driven, you need to get butts in the seats. It's not like the other leagues where they're going to get their TV deal basically no matter what. You need the fans to actually show up and and you need games happening. So I don't know. It just seems like if the league keeps thinking that they're unbreakable and they can just wait out the clock, I think they're going to lose a lot more than they think. And I think another thing, too, I think the biggest thing, the biggest mistake the CFL can do is if they uh, they undervalue this XFL. And I'm only going to say that because, I, you know, the, the Rock's the Rock, you know, and he's got a lot going on more than, you know, people think. I just had the thought today. My son was playing Fortnite, and The Rock is all over that. You're telling me if The Rock gets XFL jerseys into Fortnite, then every little kid, and Mike and Adam's kind of smirking at me, but that's all my son talks about is what's in Fortnite, and that's what the kids are going to do. The kids are going to see XFL jerseys in Fortnite. They're going to see The Rock in Fortnite. And if it comes down to the choice, they might pick the XFL because they know the rocks there. And it, it sounds dumb to an adult, but that's the mindset of children. And and so I think the league needs to be in that popularity contest. They need to show that they that they're they're trying to be the better or the good guys, and they're not right now. No, I agree. I'm not sure what exactly the rock is cooking on when it comes to the uh to the uh, Fortnite stuff. And I mean, I'm sure he's got some huge ideas coming up. Sorry, had to throw it in there. Anyways, uh, you know what, though? I see the CFL again. This is, uh, if this was 2023, you're right. The players would have some uh, more leverage, I believe, because you do have the XFL, which is probably going to be a pretty good league, especially if they have any partnership with the NFL. That would be a big thing that probably could negotiate uh, some leverage into the CFL because the CFL PA would say, hey, look, our guys could go easily go to the XFL. We're going to get guys out of there and we're going to probably take them. But what I'm looking at is it's still 2022. And my thing is right now, let's face it, the diehards are going to go to the football game. They want to see football no matter how or what it is. They still want to see their favorite players play. They want to go to that football game. I don't think that the diehards would leave. The casual fan might not pay attention. And are they paying attention right now to negotiations? That's another question. I don't know if as much as if they are. I think a lot of the diehards are really talking about these CBAs because they don't want to miss football. Let's face it, none of us want to miss training camp. None of us want to even miss the rookie camp because we want to see who's going to win in the Edmonton Elks uh, pursuit of 13 quarterbacks. And for, like I say, for the for the diehard fan, it's a little different. I don't. I think the diehard fan is still going to go to the CFL games, even though the CFL has probably uh, gotten the uh, poop thrown at the fan uh, at them. I think they're still going to go. Uh, the casual fan, when there's if there's rookie camp or there's training camp, I think they're going to show up. I really don't see that being an issue. Uh, but like I say, the players, if this was next year, 
and maybe they're willing to sit for a year. I don't know. I don't think they would be because they still want to get that tape and try to make the NFL. Some of these guys, uh, quarterbacks are still making 400,000 or so. That's still a big chunk of money versus a union uh, pay in a payout. Uh, let's face it. I just, like I say, I, I want the players to make the best deal that they can make as much money as they possibly can. I just don't know how much leverage they've got. Can I just jump in for one second? I, that just came in my head. Maybe that's why the league wants a 10-year deal and they're scared of a two, three-year deal because then that gives the XFL a year or two to see to try to develop and that could give those players extra leverage. leverage. So if they get the 10-year deal in, then they can hopefully try to outweigh the XFL and hopefully see it die Like from their perspective. And just real quick, I just saw eight minutes ago when we're recording this, Farhan Lodgy reported that the Elks are the team that was given that exemption for the quarterback thing. I think we all knew that, but I think that's really interesting that now it's finally official because that all ties into what we're talking about. Yeah, well, just to expand on that, so that was kind of the next uh, topic here I wanted to go to uh, on the CBA talk here is, you know, the PA telling a lot of their players not to report to training camps. Training camps start this, or mini camps start this week. Training camp starts next week. See a PA saying, don't report. Book your flights as late and as close to then as possible. Don't fly in too early. Uh, CFL, on the other hand, saying, yeah, no, we expect you to come to training camp. Uh, PA comes back and says, yeah, veteran quarterbacks uh, don't report to your team's training camps and, and rookie camps and things like that. Um, except uh, to all teams except for one because they're worried about you know uh, retributions towards the players by by team management and uh, like you said Trey uh, really no surprise that's coming from Chris Jones I think to any of us here that Jones would be the guy there and uh, you know maybe the Elks have that stance on quarterbacks because if uh, five of them don't show up they still have enough to last uh, for ages. <laughs> Uh, right. So uh, that's got to be extra tough, too, when you know you're a guy who's potentially fighting for a starting job among a sea of quarterbacks there in Edmonton to be like, yeah, I kind of got to show up here. Right. Because it's not like you're a third string guy going into camp hoping to maybe land a spot on the roster. No, you're fighting for a starting potential job here. So anything that's going to put you behind on that. You're a little scared of that. And I think maybe that plays into to that side of worry there a little bit uh, as well. But uh, so that's kind of where the, the players are at now, where they're saying, OK, don't report to camp uh, because uh, it seemed like the league was not going to, you know, pay for any uh, any meals, any housing, anything like that while the players are here until they have a contract. Well, now the league has come out and said, no, you're, we're still going to pay and, and support you for food and housing and all of that, uh, either until, I think they said, the end of training camp or until the strike is over, uh, whichever one comes or, or ends the latest, I think it was. Uh, I could be wrong on the exact semantics, but... Uh, once again, another negotiation tactic, right, Adam? Because this is the case. This is the case where the CFL is looking at this. If I can get these players to go, you know, step away, say, uh, you know, from their families down in the states, wherever they're from, and go and say, yeah, okay, I'm going off to fo play football. I'll be back, you know, on a bye week or whatever. 
Like if they can convince the players to come to town, you've made that commitment to come here already. You better be wanting to get a deal done. You're not going to fly all the way out here just to say, no, I'm not playing a season and fly home right away. So uh, just another negotiation tactic. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, just another bit of the cat and mouse game, which is the CBA. Uh, let's face it. I mean, you fly into Regina from Atlanta. Let's face, There's no good connections to get into Regina. Uh, or Saskatoon, for that matter. I guess they're playing at Griffith Stadium for training camp. But it's it's terrible for them. They The players there uh, last Wednesday were negotiating in good faith with the CFL, and they said, look, if we can't get a deal done here before training camp, we're going to tell our players, no, we're not, don't come to camp. And the CFL practically said, we will sue you if you say don't come to camp, is what was added into that. Uh, negotiation and that's when the CFLPA said you know what let's try next Wednesday we'll we'll do something else to try to renegotiate because let's face it that's a that's a bold move by the CFL to tell guys hey you should not strike well then give them something to not strike on like again in the court of public opinion the CFL looks awful bad in this so far uh that being said then all the other bits happened after that where while you may not get uh, the CFLPA told their players, look, if you go there, you may not be getting your housing or your food paid for or anything for that matter. And I mean, let's face it, housing is expensive in Canada right now. Uh, rentals are going through the roof. So if you're going to make a deal on doing that, you got to be kind of planned out and ready. And yet again, then the CFL came back and said, no, no, we'll cover some of that. And that's it. Don't worry about a CFLPA. And yeah, then after a while here, it was veteran quarterbacks don't report to mini or mini camp slash training camp. And let's face it, some of those quarterbacks are already at their chosen places. For example, Cody Fajardo is in Saskatchewan right now. I know he was just at the mall in uh, uh, in uh, what do you call Ryder uh, store in Saskatoon. And uh, kind of hard to tell him, you know what, head back home, uh, Trey. What do you think? No, I agree with what you're saying. And I like it. It's a good tactic. Like you said, get the players trapped here. And we all are from Manitoba or Saskatchewan. We we know we don't really always want to be here. So why do you think people from south of the border want to come here? Um, especially, to you know, basically not being paid to be here. So I, I get that point. Um, see, I'm just the more and more we talk and more and more I look at this, the more and more I think, at least preseason's getting missed, and if not regular season, you know, or maybe something gets readjusted because of preseason being mixed. It just—I'm not looking happy right now with this, and I hope. Uh, I'm just looking forward to Triple Crown because I don't know if we're gonna have football for very very early here. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at right now, right? Is seeing when where we're gonna go when the when the CFL season's uh, gonna start. Is it gonna start on time? Uh, whatnot is kind of hanging in the balance right now. Uh, Mike, what do you think on that? Do you think we're getting a deal done at at, at midnight uh, here last second, or uh, are things in jeopardy? Should there be? Wow, how are you phrasing that question? Will there be a deal done, or should there be a deal done? Well, we all know there should be a deal done. So the question is, will there be a deal done? I'm going to say no, just because the CFL had experience already playing into the middle of December from this last year. 
in the back of their minds, they're probably thinking, we have an extra three weeks that if we need it, we can use it. But we won't. Logic suggests there might be a deal done, but I don't think there will be. I think they're too far apart in public posturing. Um, again, I use this in negotiation all the time, this line. One phone call changes everything. The question is, when does this phone call come? Sorry, do you think that the league's going to want a great cup in Regina in December? <laughs> I don't even want to go to it. If they're willing to move it back to Hamilton or Toronto or, or BC or something, fine. But they're not wanting it. Usually when Great Cups are in Regina or Winnipeg, they have it a week or two early. Like, they don't want that. So I no, think I, the Great I, Cups I, firm. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just going to say that that could be another point of emphasis if they really wanted to drag this out a couple of weeks and then made some tweets. Now, would I want to be sitting at an IG field or Mosaic Stadium in middle of December? Well, to be honest, we kind of got a, a drift of that here uh, first weekend in December last year. And trust me, she was ugly. And the game was very, very ugly. Um, and I think, to be honest, it, it leads to another whole discussion of why can't you start the CFL mail on weekend and be done at the end of October? Because, to be honest with you, in the West, and not to stray too far away from the topic at hand, but those Western playoff games, whether they're in Edmonton or in Calgary or in Regina or here, more times than not, in the middle of November, you don't know what you're going to get, particularly the worst you you don't know what you're going to get in November at the best of times, never mind December. I mean, it would be advantageous to play those playoff games in October and have your Grey Cup in the last week of October at the very latest first week of November. I think you'd have much more of a money-making proposition on your hands because, well, with the exception of this year, uh, the weather here in Winnipeg has been pretty wet up until uh, now. But I think you're more likely to captivate an audience in with the Grey Cup, say, Thanksgiving weekend or shortly thereafter here because you're not going to get the average family out to a CFL game in uh, November when it's minus 15 or minus 20. Most people enjoy the football game because the weather is nice. That's just the way pe most people are, unless you're diehards. So to kind of tie that into the into the CFL negotiations, I, I think that's something that they need to look at. Do I think there's a deal done on uh, Sunday morning? I say no. You know what? I'll say that the CFL deal will get done we may miss rookie camp. We might miss a little bit of the start of training camp. But before preseason game one, I think there'll be a deal. Unfortunately, let's face it, the CFL does not negotiate in public. They just never have. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to walk in and say, look, five-year deal, 
here's a few things you get. Here's a couple little extras. Here's a few crumbs off the table, essentially. And this is the way that CFL owners have worked forever. They will throw them a little bit of a bone and say, here's here's a few things you can have. And they're going to say, okay, we'll do it. And unfortunately, it's – and now I hope that's not the case. I really hope that the CFLPA holds together and says, no, we got to have a better deal than that. I just don't know if they will. I, I want to feel like they can do better. Uh, I just don't have the optimism on that right now. Uh, your point there, Michael, of bringing the games back to May, I have one issue with. Right now, uh, If uh, well, you can see it live, I've been looking down quite a bit trying to check the score of the quarterfinals between the uh, Avalanche and the Nashville Predators right now because you've got the Stanley Cup going on. Uh, there are certain guys that don't give a rip about the Stanley Cup or just CFL guys. There's other guys that just love both leagues and like the fact that you can mostly watch most of the CFL and then get back into the NFL right around December and get back into it because, you know, the first two months of the NHL is meh. Uh, but right now, if you're missing some hockey right now, if you're a big fan, it's, it's a little tough. Uh, that being said, yeah, well, like I said, I, I really hope that they don't have that idea, though, that you were saying to move the uh, – possibly if they have to, they can move everything back just a little bit. I, I really don't want to be sitting in Mosaic Stadium with a frozen beer and uh, freezing to death, <laughs> preferably. Yeah. Trey. Oh, just to cut in here quickly, there's one partner that's not going to like that if the CFL season gets moved. And that's TSN, because what starts the day after the Great Cup? Qatar 2022 in the FIFA World Cup. And let's just say you have to move that another week. Well, the next Sunday, Team Canada played the soccer game in the afternoon on the next Sunday after the Great Cup. So I almost think moving the Great Cup now that I think about this more is a non-option. I don't think TSN would go for it because I don't think they want the Grey Cup competing with Canada's first ever, well, in my lifetime anyway, shot at a World Cup. It's There's way too many variables in this discussion, and I think what we're going to have to see, and no disrespect to, the, to our friends at TSN, I think the CFL needs to be in a better financial position to somehow bridge the CBA and hinge it to the uh, Canadian like the television agreement because I think they need to somehow find a way to fork more money on the television side of it. And I think that can be done by getting in another partner. But the other substantive argument to that is you need to have a marketable product on TV that rights holders are able to, uh, but rights holders are able to buy slash want to invest in. So there's a double-edged sword. And as far as the calendar goes, there might not be, there's not going to be the perfect dream calendar. You have to kind of pick your battles. Well, I agree, and I think that's why it plays to the players because, like like you said, the league does not want to move back, and their biggest partner does not want games moving back. 
And you also don't want missed games because that's that's ticket revenue, right? So I think the pressure keeps is on the CFL more than the players. And yeah, I, I we're I think we're gonna talk about some prop bets later. And I have a good one in my head right now that we'll save for later when it comes to the CBA and it has a Winnipeg tie to it. So we'll we'll leave that for later. <laughs> Yeah, part of me wonders, like, the more, it's it's interesting, the more we go through and talk about everything, the more I get even more ideas in my head of how this is going to play out. And I actually almost wonder if this is further along, and maybe this is my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory moment here. Is there, is it possible, I wonder, that this is further along than it seems it is right now? And the league recognizes that, and that's why they're not coming out and saying everything. And maybe the league is in the upper hand and this is going to be another negotiation that seems to favor the league a little more than it does the players. And then the players are, you know, because they're putting this out there in the media and really shedding this on the CFL, then when this deal comes out that doesn't favor the players, well, it's all looking bad on, on, on the CFL, right, for, for proposing these ideas out there and trying to force things onto the PA where... Maybe the PA's got plans to agree to this deal anyways, but our hands are clean of this. Don't come yelling at us, right? Because uh, this is all in the CFL. Like, uh, I'll open this up to anybody who wants to chime in on that. Uh, Is it it far-fetched? It it might be. I honestly don't think it probably is. I think that the CFL, again, we didn't even know that there was negotiations going on there for a little bit. Uh, between the CFL and CFLPA until it was all of a sudden tweeted out that, oh, they're talking to each other again. So, you know what? The CFL, I don't know what it is, if they just are just the top secret organization or they think they are. But you know what? I I think that, you know what? I, I don't know. Let's face it. If the CFLPA accepts what was proposed in uh, those uh, leaked uh, documents, Wow. They, oh, and I'm I'm not saying they are right. I'm I'm saying they're going to come to something more of an agreement. I'm just saying I won't be surprised if it leans towards uh, the league's favor there a little bit, and that's why we're seeing the the difference here in social media output. And just to bring it back to you know, we were talking about how things uh, you know when the season would start, whether things would start on time. I'll say we're going to play week one of the CFL season. I think this is a lot of noise in the media. That's going to come down to, yet again, we're going to get a deal done at the last minute. And it's not going to have all the things we wish we would see in the deal, but it will be a deal. And then we'll go through this again in two, five, ten years, whatever it ends up being. And uh, we'll uh, record another podcast on this whole topic at that point and revisit this one, I guess. Uh, But one of the main things that comes up in the discussion uh, of the CBA and everything, we talked about uh, the, the ratio how it seemed the league wanted to eliminate the ratio. And and that led us to kind of a bit of an off-air debate and discussion here that, uh, Trey, you had brought up here uh, to us uh, regarding uh, what makes the most, the the, the CFL most uniquely Canadian. Is it the, the, the three downs versus four? Is it the Canadian ratio? Uh, so we, we put the poll out on Twitter. We had, we had you listeners chime in on that. Uh, 63% of people said, uh, if you had to get rid of one, which one's most important to keep? Uh, 63% said three downs. 37% said ratio. 
Uh, Trey, we'll go to you first on this one. Uh, what? First of all, where, where where did this kind of idea for this debate come from uh, and originate here for you? And uh, what is your take on it? And are you surprised by the uh, the, the fan poll results? Yeah, so the idea came from because, you know, we all remember last year and the whole talks with the XFL, and that's when this whole thing started. And everyone was saying, well, you can't take three downs away. That's what makes it Canadian. Well, now we fast forward this year and we go through the four down debate again. And now we're on to the next one. And the next thing, it seems like a lot of people are saying, no, you can't take the ratio away. That's what makes us Canadian. But you can't have both being the thing that makes us most Canadian. I thought, yeah, you have to have one that's the real thing that makes us Canadian. And and I've been hemming and hawing on it because, you know, you look at when, when you're watching a play live, you don't always necessarily know the passport of the guy. You know, you might know some of the guys like, you know, the Harrises and the, you know, the bigger names, but you don't always know those lower level guys that on special teams, if they're Canadian or not. But then I also thought three downs that has nothing to do with Canada. It's just the rule we adopted and we took over. So I never really knew which way to go on it. I'm not surprised by the results. I kind of figured that more people would lean to keep the three downs. Um, and the idea that Canadians would find a way into the roster without the ratio. Um, I still don't know which one I honestly would keep. I'm still very, very up in the air on it. And I don't know. And I really wish I had an answer on this one because I was joking in our group chat saying, well, the XFL could come out with three downs and then it's no longer just a Canadian thing. And, you know, but the XFL is not going to come out with a ratio a Canadian ratio, like, why would they do that? So I'm really torn on this one. And I, I, I just want to know uh, Adam's opinion too. Yeah, no, I, uh, I voted in that one and I actually voted for the three down part. Let's face it. I mean, the Canadian game uh, for Canadian players has gotten so much better over the last little bit. Uh, one uh, person described the university of Saskatchewan's uh, setup as NCAA like, uh, for their training facilities, uh, let's face it, that's a huge compliment. U Sports has been just getting better and better and better, and I cannot believe still that we are not having a TV deal for the Hardy Cup, for the Tech Bowl. I mean, they've been posting it up on CBC for a little bit. I can't believe there's no regular season games of U, U Sports football. It is amazing football. It's fun to watch, and you know what makes it best? Three downs, uh, the big field. All of that stuff is what makes the U sports so great. And to me, there's nobody else that can beat that in the United States and Mexico and Japan or wherever CFL Global has been going. There's nobody else that runs three down football. And it's so much more fun uh, than watching your NFL game. And that's why, to me, I think that's uniquely Canadian. Yes, I know The Rock might be having that cooking too, that he's going to be taking that, uh, that, but I don't think he will. I, you know what, he wants to probably more lean towards a developmental league, I think, for the NFL and take players away that way. Because let's face it, it'd be a lot easier to do that if you could say, hey, NFL is looking at us. We have kind of little hidden deals with the NFL. You know, we're playing the NFL rules. It's easier to make us a developmental league. And nobody's ever cracked that yet to USF, USFL. I mean, let's face it, if anybody's watched the, uh, the attendance, Still not cracking it. But you know what? If anybody can, I think The Rock could. 
but that's what I think makes the CFL uh, unique is three downs, 110 yards, big wide field, and let's face it, even the Rouge, yes, that's a part of it too. So you know what? To me, I think it's more of, let's face it, if you have an American that's a really good player and a Canadian that's a really great player, if they're equal or one is a little bit better than the other, you're going to take that Canadian player now. It's not like it used to be where, oh, well, the Americans are just so much better in Division One and NCAA. I think now it's kind of evening out a little bit. And I think that a Canadian probably would get picked up probably just based on his merits versus being on a ratio. Michael, what's your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that made the CFL uniquely uh, CFL for me, it's got nothing to do with the game. It's got nothing to do with three downs. It's got nothing to do with uh, the ratio. One simple thing for me, I think Ryan knows where this is going because I've mentioned this on the podcast before. It's the Grey Cup. It's There's something about it. Uh, you know, you go to, I've never had the privilege I've won a Super Bowl, but I've talked to, uh, I know people that have gone to a Super Bowl, and they said for the most part, it's very, very uh, corporate. It's very, very sponsor-driven, uh, rightly so, because they're a billion-dollar industry. Uh, but what makes the CFO unique is, I think I saw this a little bit, of a variation when CFL week was here. There was something about going to events for other CFL fans and getting to know them and the relationships on Twitter that I've seen from, you know, a Ryder fan to an Ardo fan or to a Red Blatt's fan to a Bomber fan, right? There's this playful back and forth, um, and then they come, and then they go to the Great Cup, and they go, you know, to events like Touchdown Manitoba, and you know, whatever the Riders' big Great Cup Week event is, and you know, they they talked about how much fun it is to go from place to place to place and get to know other fans, and to top it off, I mean, having been at a Great Cup at McMahon Stadium when the Bombers won their first Great Cup since 1990. The cool part was bringing the Grey Cup out, and it's not this corporate handout. There's something about, you know, having the RCMP coming out with the trophy, carrying it down the stands, the snow flying. I'm thinking particularly of the snow Grey Cup that was between the Argos and the St. Peters. That, to me, is more Canadian than any other rules or or any other tweets to the game. And for the record, the best youth sports football games are the ones that end up 51-48 and take almost four hours to play because almost all of them have one play that would probably never be replicated in a CFL game, such as what the University of Manitoba tried to do years ago by having no time left on the clock, down by one in Calgary, and Brian Doby having the you-know-what to try to go for two and advance the Bisons past the Dinos and into the Hardy Cup final. 
ultimately falling short um, by not getting the two-point convert. But, hey, took this chance, didn't want to do it in overtime. That is some of the most Canadian football you will ever see, along with, I think we should also mention the Canadian Junior Football League. Some pretty darn good football programs uh, in the country. Uh, and also the WWCFL as well, the Western Women's Canadian Football League. Uh, two teams in Saskatchewan, two teams in Manitoba. They have a smaller circuit of it in uh, Alberta. Um, but it's a little bit less established, but it is coming along. Um, as somebody that got to broadcast the WW. Uh, CFL championship when it was here. Uh, Ryan, I think you were with me that day. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we were there, and it was sunny. And at the end of the game, leaving a torrential downpour. But nonetheless, it was cool to see all the different leads and, and, you know, to see them play football too. And, you know, as much as we talked about the CFL being Canadian, what makes the CFL with all the other leads around it and everybody getting involved from the CJFL, U Sports, the WWCFL, and how it all comes together. And one can hope for a U Sports uh, regular season TV deal. Uh, but I would really like to see a collaboration between the CFL, uh, the Vanier Tap, and if you really wanted a third event, you could do the Canadian Bowl, which is the CJFL national game. No reason why you can't play that during the Grey Cup. And then you could also do the uh, women's CFL game if you wanted to and really have all four leads come together in one spot in Canada every year. Call it the four days of football or whatever you want to do. You know, have one championship game on each day, uh, bookended by the Grey Cup. Um, that is the way we grow football in this country. It's not going to be hash marks. It's not going to be how many Canadians on the field. It, it's going to be everybody working together and to promote each other because there is some very severely underappreciated football here in Canada that's not just the CFL. Well, how do I follow that up with my my input on this debate? A great summary there from from Mike on, on you know a lot of the, I agree a lot of the off field and semantic reasons of what I love about Canadian football. Uh, drawing it back to the the on field debate of, of you know three downs versus Canadian ratio. Uh, it, to me, it depends on how you phrase the question. I agree with what you said, Trey, that when you talk about Canadian, you can't really get more Canadian than, you know, requiring Canadians to be involved. Uh, but like, absolutely. I agree with that as well, but much like Adam said, uh, to me, the, the three down ratio, or the three down ratio is, oh wait, I'm getting the two topics mixed together here. The Canadian ratio is not as important to the three down game in terms of my enjoyment of the CFL. I mean, I, I, I talk about this regularly on the podcast. I'm not an NFL guy. Uh, I don't watch a whole ton. I'm not a big guy. I, uh, you know, big fan of the four down game. I enjoy the three down game. I think that's one of the things that makes the CFL unique right now until the rock decides <laughs> to, to go and uh, make the XFL do that one day. Who knows? But, uh, uh, you know, the, 
the three down game is unique to Canada right now. And it's a joy to watch. And I enjoy watching that. And, you know, the, this, this might be a hot take, but to me, the ratio isn't the, the most important thing. Like having Canadians fill these slots, like what, when you pose this question to us, uh, like I thought about it is what's game changing for me. It's the three downs. If you take the three downs and change it to four, the product I'm watching when I'm out there in the stadium or watching on TV is going to be different out on the field. If I came in watching a game and didn't know who was Canadian and who was not, would I really know that much of a difference about what I see out there on the field? To me, I don't think so necessarily, right? So, yes, I'm full. I, I mean, I want both to stay. I would love seeing Canadians out there on the field. I love rooting for Canadians on the field. But if I had to give one of them up, I would probably give that up. And, you know, I would probably see if the CFL could look at ways to maybe – incentivize teams to still focus on you know growing canadian players without being it just because you need a x number of them out on the field we've seen them in the past couple or i think it was this week they they did something where a u sports quarterback is going to be joining each team in training camp and things like that and who knows maybe you get a little bit of cap relief from from having Canadians and starting spots and things like that. Like you get creative with it, grow the CFL, grow Canadian football without it just being X number on there. Trey, I want to I want to bring this back to you here. Uh, you said you weren't sure which way you went on this. You've heard all of our inputs. Uh, what, what do you think on the topic uh, now? Uh, you know, I think uh, personally, I would have to lean keeping the ratio. And I my, my biggest reason why is it, I'm just a football fan. Like, I don't care if it's three, four, five, six downs. I just like seeing trained professional athletes. And football is one of the most physical sports you can have. So to me, I don't care, like, about how many downs it takes you to get 10 yards. I, I like seeing those stories, like, of the guys like Harris, Dembski, you know, the old, like, and it, it was great seeing, you know, it, it kind of sucked in a halfway, but it's also great seeing how Canadian old linemen were the first thing and then you see and then they branch out and now we're seeing quarterbacks i like seeing that growth and i think if it wasn't for the ratio i don't think it ever would have started maybe now we've gotten to a point we can get rid of it or reduce it and it won't affect things but yeah like to me like i said i'm just a, i'm a football fan so if it was four downs yes you're right it wouldn't be the same it wouldn't be the cfl we all know and grew up with but the canadians out there i think is what makes it different because I think that's one reason why I personally fall away from the NFL at times is I don't relate to these guys. What's the closest team? The Vikings, maybe the Bears, you know, I don't really care what Chicago's doing. I don't really care. The only guy I like, you know, I like watching the individual players for individual reasons. And I sometimes cling to the Canadians. I really like seeing what Claypool does in Pittsburgh. I really, you know, I really like seeing what CFL guys do down there. So I think the Canadian one is what I would stick with. But again, I agree with everyone. I'd keep everything if I could. And like Michael said, I got to say, there is nothing, it, it, the, what it's never going to be taken away. The RCMP bringing down the great cup. Like it's, if, it, if they ever take that away, I'm no longer a CFL fan. Like that is because I remember the way it was a great or Super Bowl 50 where they had uh, what uh, Amith or something in a fur, somebody in a fur coat come out with it. And I'm like, this just looks like the most trailer trash thing you can have. But then you got the Grey Cup and you have those, you know, the worldwide known red holding our most cherished cup. You know, that's that you're right, Michael. That's the most Canadian part of it. And 
I, I'm an emotional guy. I get a little teary when I saw, especially when I knew it was coming to the Blue Bombers. I'll admit that. I knew I got a little teary and I got a little extra teary when you see those reds coming out with it. Couldn't have said it better there. Uh, well, let's let's get into you. You mentioned we have a couple of prop bets here around uh, things that come out of the CFL CBA negotiations. So uh, to round out the show here, uh, let's go rapid fire on those a little bit here. Lightning round here uh, and touch on some of those. Uh, who's got the prop bets? Who wants to throw them out here for us and set some lines? You know, I'll go with the first one here. I'll go games missed. I'm going to put it at one and a half. Uh, let's go weeks missed because I think that they'll try to make it up or something somewhere. Maybe not go extended into December, but the CFL is uh, very well known for trying to do a Wednesday game followed by a Saturday game. So they'll do something to get all 18 in. But I'm thinking that one and a half games, and again, it could be squished around because of preseason. And we start on, uh, when's the first day here? June 9th. But I think maybe June 9th could be when the preseason starts. Uh, so one and a half. Uh, Adam, what do you think? No, I'm going to go for the under on that one. I still think that somehow, some way, somewhere, this deal is going to get done. Uh, to me, I'm going to even say by Saturday this week, I'm going to go bold, that there will be a CFL deal done. If, if, if there's going to be one or this is going to go on forever. For a very long time if it doesn't get done by saturday michael what do you got yeah i'm going under two i think if anything they're gonna touch training camp uh the cfl has already shown they can run without a preseason um i expect this to go somewhat on time i'd be stunned if it didn't uh i don't think the cflpa has the desire nor the uh, ability from both of its members uh, to miss any games that aren't rescheduled. Yeah, I'm going the under as well. And Mike, you took my reason right there. Uh, the exact one I was going for there. So uh, I, I don't really have anything to add on there. I, I'm, I'm taking the under here. I'll put my hot take well. here. We were. I'll put my hot take. I say there's a better chance Barry Trotz is the Jets head coach next season than the CFL season starting on time. I'll put that out there. I just have a really bad vibe about it. I I just, I'm a big baseball fan and I'm getting real big vibes of their, of their relationship right now. And you see the other leagues, the NFL and NBA, they never squabble. They never do anything lately. You know, you know, they, they're pretty on the same page, especially the NBA. You never hear anything from the NBA PA. And now the two leagues in North America that seem to be having the most issues is baseball. And the second I saw the baseball PA read or tweet their own thing, I was like, God, that's not, no, you don't want to be taking advice from the MLB PA where they, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's my big hot take. And I don't think Barry Trotz is coming to Winnipeg. If we're going to get into that discussion, I just think it's a better chance he would than the CFL starting on time. But, I, next week or on Saturday when it gets signed, like Adam says, I'll fully admit I was wrong 100%. It just is a vibe I have right now. My gut does not think it's starting on time. You know, like I said, I'm just too, maybe too optimistic of a guy. I look at the MLB lockout and what happened there. It was a battle of millionaires versus billionaires. Uh, in all honesty, the players could sit. They 
really had a lot of money. Most of those guys have quite a bit of money laying around. Uh, some of the guys blew it all. I mean, there's always those guys. Same thing with the NHL. They could afford to sit. The CFL, we're talking about thousands of dollars, not millions. And I just don't see this dragging on long uh, just because of that. And unfortunately, it's going to cost the CFLPA again, like it always does. But I'm hoping for I'm hoping for better. Let's put it that way. One more prop bet to throw out here for you guys. Uh, we've talked uh, about the length of the deal between the CFL and the CFLPA. Uh, the proposal's at 10 years that we know of right now. Uh, over under on the length of the new CBA. I, I'm thinking I'll put the line here. Let's see. I got to put it at a half, right? So you can go over. You don't have to, but you could. You don't have to. I'll put. Okay, I'll put it right at five then. Over or under five years on the length of the CBA. Uh, Trey, let's go to you first. Well, real first, let's want to add to Adam's comment. I'm I'm not very optimistic because I've been a lifelong bomber fan and waited <laughs> that long for a great cup has made me grow to be the least optimistic person in the world. I I'm still waiting for the day that they decide to take them away from for some stupid reason, <laughs> or so, you know I'm waking up from a coma and they never actually happen. So that's why I sit and think I I rather shoot for worst case and I'm, then I'm super happy when the best case come out. But five years, hmm. I think it's going to be under, but they should shoot for over. It's going to be under, and it's going to be the world's biggest mistake, like we talked about earlier, because if it ends in the next three, four years, and the Rock gets things cooking, then the next negotiation, I think, will be a more of a, I was going to swear, crap show um, than this one is. So <laughs> so I'm going to go under, though, because the CFL never does things what they should do. Adam? So, uh, yeah, no, um, I think that it'll probably end up being over, but just, um, I think that the CFLPA is going to want to have a little bit of security. I think that the CFL is going to offer some sort of uh, escalating uh, uh, salary cap that's going to probably end up being on the, the players can agree with. Uh, I believe the TSN deal ends in four years, is it, I think? Uh, so if that all ends, then uh, they'll want maybe one more year to try to negotiate that uh, deal first so that they know what kind of money's coming in and then negotiate the CBA. So to me, I'm thinking six years. Michael, what do you think? I'm going to go under. I think we're looking at two or three years. Um, just on the premise of so much has changed, um, I would be hesitant to go anything long term. I know as somebody that works in the media industry, uh, just as an example, I would be happy for long-term partnerships, long-term agreements, not so much anymore, just so much changes. And the amount of change that the world has seen since COVID and other circumstances, uh, I've been, as much as I want this to be a long deal, I see this in the three to four range. Probably somewhere between two and four, so I'll say three-year deal. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I think it's going to be right there around that line as well. I, I, I really think it's going to play into that TV deal, whether it's uh, like one of you said, you know, uh, is it going to be you get the new deal done or a TV deal done and then you ratify the, the new CBA after that or if that actually plays right into the negotiations at the same time? 
uh, is kind of how I see things there. Uh, Adam, you had one more prop bet for us before we wrap things up. You betcha. And let's face it, it hasn't really been his fault. I mean, let's everything that goes on in the CFL, I guess, is still under the commissioner. Uh, but again, I don't think he's been really involved. They've been saying in this negotiation. However, there's a lot of uh, fans out there that just do not like Randy Ambrosi. Uh, here's mine. How long will Randy Ambrosi stick around after the CBA? I'm going to put the line at the end of the season. Uh, what do you think there? Uh, ah, let's go with Michael first. Yeah. Um, very tough to judge. I'm going to go over just because I believe that if you're every commissioner in sports, with the exception of maybe Adam Silver in the NBA, who it seems like can do nothing wrong. Uh, every other uh, professional sports commissioner that I know of uh, is probably not well-liked or well-respected for one way or another. That's just the way life is as a commissioner. Um, and, and I think he would want a little bit of time to see this through because Randy Ambrosi has not had a normal season uh, very often under his ten tenure as CFL commissioner, if at all. Uh, and the other factor I think is going to be, whether, whether he sits around or not, is going to be how this negotiation goes and how his perception is after this negotiation. But I'm still going over despite all of what I said. Yeah, I'm going over on this as well. I think uh, kind of like what Mike said there, you know, Randy Ambrosi, uh, you know, the CFL is in a situation where they're coming out of COVID. They missed a season due to COVID. They had the bounce back year last year. They've dealt with the XFL coming in. They've dealt with the USFL coming in. Like they're navigating all of that. Like, in the midst of navigating everything, CBA negotiations, throw that in there as well. The CFL might just want a sense of normalcy here, right? And for the Board of Governors, uh, that might be, you know, let's stick, around, let's stick with Randy Ambrosi as the face of it. Are the fans all going to agree with it? No, uh, certainly not. Are the fans all going to agree with any decision ever made? No, that's not how human beings work last I checked the manual, but... Uh, uh, you know, I, I think Randy Ambrosi is going to stick around uh, for for still a little while longer here as CFL commissioner. Trey, uh, where are you going on this? You know, I always do the what's going to happen and what should happen. If they miss a single snap of football this year, he should resign that day. Or at least that's my opinion. Um, will he? No, because, again, the CFL never does what they should do. So I'm going to go over and I think they're going to – yeah, he. I don't know. He seems to – they've been playing him up as supposed to be the second coming of Kohan, and he's never lived up to it. But I think they're going to keep pushing that until we boo him like Batman. Like, you know, it's they're going to push it to the brink until we boo him every time we see him, every time, you know. And, um, and, and I think, again, if they miss one snap – he should resign. He should take the Paul Maurice road out and just say, you know what? <laughs> I screwed up. I'm, or everyone thinks I screwed up, so I'm done. 
just get out of town, but will he? No, he'll he'll take as many years as he can get. You've heard of uh, Bend It Like Beckham, but have you heard of Boo It Like Batman? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I'm actually going to go with the under on one of two situations is going to happen. If on Saturday we get a deal, the man should keep his job. It should be over on that case because he's done what he needed to do. He's got a CFL season going. He, he, he's accomplished what he needed to do. That being said, I don't like some of his other things that he's done over the years, the global stuff. I mean, I don't know. I'm not still big sold on that. Uh, some of the other initiatives, again, we haven't seen nothing coming out of the CFL for anything for marketing yet that we were all hoping to see. And let's face it, I'm never a fan of a CFL commissioner that has not even spoken to the CFL video game. Anyways, uh, that being said, if this deal isn't done and we have no CFL football or we miss any amount of time, if I miss my preseason game uh, when I can go and watch the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lose to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I'm going to be very upset. So, you know what? I'll go with the under if this deal goes uh, into overtime. All right, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. Let's get into wrapping it up here. I hope you all in, all enjoy joining the four of us for our group therapy session for the past hour and a half. <laughs> we do charge by the hour. Uh, <laughs> this, this felt therapeutic to just get together and talk about and rant about everything that's been going on with the CBA negotiations. Like I said uh, at the top, you know, we wanted to get into the the division previews and the season preview stuff, but it just didn't feel like it made sense to do so right now with so much up in the air. You know, a lot can change in terms of like the ratio, for example, like uh, the quality of a team might change whether you need six Canadians or 12 Canadians out on the roster, depending on their Canadian depth. So, uh, you know, we uh, we just talked CBA here today. We had some other topics planned as well. We're not even going to get into those. It's been an hour and a half long. Great discussion all the way around. Lots of fun debate here amongst all of us. And uh, hopefully by the time we're back on the podcast again next week, we'll have a CBA negotiated by then. If so, you can look forward to a, a season preview show, uh, a divisional preview show. If not, we may be back here for therapy session number two um, on the latest development. So stay tuned. Either way, we should be back with another episode here again next week. But uh, as we get ready to wrap things up, uh, uh, let us know, everybody, where where they can find you on social media uh, and anything else you got going on that you want to plug. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Where can people find everything you're up to these days? Yeah, on Twitter at MikeGerald or GameTimeTV.ca or Facebook.com backslash GameTimeTVMB. And we'll see what comes in the next couple of weeks regarding that and uh, perhaps this podcast. Sounds good. Yes, stay tuned for all of the news there. Adam, uh, where can people find what you've got going on? Yeah, well, you could find me over at Adam Stewart One, and I apologize right now because there is going to be a pile of seating posts uh, right away. Uh, everybody loves the seating posts. I mean, let's face it, if we ain't got a CBA, I may as well post about agriculture. Uh, so next week, this could become the Prairie Farm Report versus the uh, CFL pod, just to let you guys know. But probably we'll just keep talking CFL. 
Yeah, I, hey, I'm all in. I love the seeding posts. I know, I know jack squat about farming, but uh, I'm learning more from Adam each and every day. Uh, Trey, where can people find uh, everything you're doing? You can find me at Trey MB Harness uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you ever want to talk football or talk horse racing, hey, I'll talk. We could have talked about two hours about Saturday's race and want to talk about how things change on a dime. A horse that shouldn't have even been in the race got told like, what, 36 hours beforehand? Uh, I think it was 30 seconds before the deadline of uh, being able to come in, comes in and wins it all. So things can change on a dime. Uh, oh, and just a quick note. The mother of that horse was born in Manitoba and raced at Assiniboia Downs, so never count out your horses and where they come from. But again, if you want to talk horse racing, football, oh, UFC, UFC was great this weekend. Talk to me about any sport. Always a great time. Right on. And you mentioned, you know, the mother of the horse. Uh, happy belated Mother's Day to all human and horse mothers out there. Uh, definitely. Uh, we appreciate all you do. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42. Don't tweet a whole lot, but I'm there. Uh, you can also find the podcast on social media. We're on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. We're on Facebook, the Canadian Football Countdown there. Uh, check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well at CF Pod Network on Twitter for all of that. Uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we always appreciate if you do all the fun things like comment, rate, re review, subscribe, share the show with your friends. What else are you doing while waiting for the CBA to be negotiated? Uh, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. And beyond, on behalf of our entire panel here this evening, Michael Garrell, Adam Stewart, Trey Colbeck, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.